Section 32 of the American Book of the Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Mack, Tucson, Arizona. The American Book of the Dog, G. O. Shields, Editor, Section 32. The Black and Tan Terrier by H. T. Foote, M. D. V. S. This breed has the distinction, if previous writers are correct, of being the source of nearly or quite all breeds of terriers. According to the earliest history of the dog, there existed in England a rough-haired black and tan terrier, thicker in skull, shorter in head, and stockier in body. The tan of these dogs was extensive and of a lighter shade than usually seen on modern specimens. They went to earth after game and had great stamina and courage. According to Uat, smooth-coated terriers came from crossing these dogs with hounds and long-coated terriers from crossing with curs. From crossings with other pure breeds, the various fancy breeds of terriers have been established. So far as the black and tan is concerned, he has, during the past few centuries, evolved into a more delicately and gracefully built animal, with short, fine, smooth, and jet-black coat over the greater part of the body, and with a small amount of much darker tan. The thumb marks, penciling, and kissing spots have been developed. The head has lengthened, and, like his body, is narrower than formerly. With this change in his physical makeup, it is not surprising that he has, at the same time, lost some of his combativeness and courage. Yet one now occasionally sees a specimen that manifests all the fighting qualities and terrier instincts that the early terrier was so famous for. And, as a whole, no breed can surpass the modern black and tan for natural rat-killing abilities. He gives a sharp nip and turns from one rat to another without delay. Early in 1889, a great rat-baiting contest was held in Antwerp. The rats came from the sewers of Paris and were large and ferocious. The black and tan won, killing the most rats and in the shortest time. The competition was large, pretty much all breeds of terriers being represented. What the best record is for killing rats I do not know, but an example of the rapidity of movement of a black and tan terrier is shown in the record of Shaw's Jacko, who killed 100 rats in less than seven minutes. It is as a clean, alert house dog and a bright, handsome companion that the black and tan terrier has gained a reputation equaled by no other breed, and this is one of the few points upon which all authorities on doggy matters seem to agree. His color and shortness of coat render the few hairs he may leave about unnoticeable. He is quickly housebroken, and as a burglar alarm, no modern electrical contrivance can compare with him. He is not quarrelsome, and avoids trouble with other dogs or people so far as possible. But once he is aroused, the instinct of his ancestry gives him all the necessary courage and cunning to stay in the fight to finish. In the kennel, a number of this breed can be kept together regardless of sex, and it is rare that any ill nature crops out. On the bench, length and narrowness of head and correctness of markings have had great weight, 
and perhaps not enough attention has been given to other points, especially to terrier character in expression and to good legs and feet. The specimen I have selected for illustration, Mears Book Maiden, is strong in these particulars and has not the extreme of length and narrowness of head. She has 20 wins to her credit in England and during 1887 and 1888 competed successfully with the best specimens of the breed in that country. Since coming to America, she had added to her list of wins, and recent criticisms in our sporting papers giving reports of shows are like to the effect that she outclasses all other specimens in this country at present. This bitch has improved wonderfully since she came here, and I do not believe that she was ever shown in as good form when in England as she is now in although at the time this photograph was taken she was too fat. Kaiser, owned by John F. Campbell of Montreal and his little sister Rochelle Lass, are next in order of merit among those in this country. Both have manifested excellence in competition on the bench and are important acquisitions to the breed. Edward Lever was one of the earliest to introduce the breed here, and the blood of his champion, Vortigern flows in the veins of about all good homebred ones that have been seen. Vortigern was a thoroughly game dog, and he held no fear in the drawing of a badger or a tussle with a bull terrier. Now that more perfect specimens are being imported, we may look for marked and rapid improvement in this breed, and it is to be hoped that they will receive the recognition that they so much deserve. There have been but few successful breeders among those most prominent in England was Mr. Samuel Handley of Manchester. He developed the most perfect specimens of the breed in his time, and his kennels became so noted that the breed has since been known in England as the Manchester Terrier. As, however, it was known as the Black and Tan Terrier for a long period before Mr. Handley became prominent, it would be better to go on with the breed with its original name. Among later breeders and exhibitors, Mr. Henry Lacey and Mr. Thomas Ellis have been prominent. Among noted dogs that can be found in the pedigrees of most good specimens of the present day are Saff, Belcher, General, Sir Edward, Burke, Wallace, and General Three. And the most notable of our present specimens are Lord George, Prince George, Kenwood Queen, Broomfield, Turk, Pearl, Vesper, and the subject of my illustration, Mearsbrook Maiden. The idea that cropping is essential to the breed has been done much to retard its way into popular favor. Breeders have given no attention to natural ears and have rather developed coarse ears that would carry well when cropped. There is no more reason for cropping the black and tan than there is for cropping the fox terrier, pug, bulldog, and other breeds that not many years ago were considered unsightly with their natural ears. It will take some time to breed the natural ears on the black and tan, but there will be every inducement for breeders to strive in this direction if owners will be satisfied to put up with and accustom themselves to the uncropped ears and bench show judges will follow the example set by the judge of this breed at the New York show of 1890. 
in giving the uncorrupt dogs an equal chance, and perhaps showing them more favor than he did with the cropped dogs. At all events, a black and tan, with good natural dropped ears, similar to those of a fox terrier, is just as sprightly in appearance as is this terrier. And once the cropped ears go out of fashion, we will wonder why cropping was ever tolerated. It is not surprising that in a breed that has depended so much on marks as has the black and tan, it is difficult to approach the goal of perfection. Few specimens develop with anything like perfect marks. The tendency is to one or more of the following faults. Too much tan, too little tan, indistinctness of the outline between the tan and the black, tan on the outside of the hindquarters, tan on upper surface of the ears, and while tan may be too extensive on some parts, it may be wanting in others. Another and perhaps worse fault is white under the breast, and in spite of all efforts to breed them without such markings, it will appear on about one puppy every six or eight. Some puppies will show it when first born, and it will disappear with surprising rapidity within a fortnight, while others are thus blemished for life. It is a fault that is considered fatal to bench show form, and although I think too much stress is laid upon this point, it is undoubtedly right to consider the lack of proper tan markings a serious defect. Much has been said and written about the faking practiced with the black and tan, but so far as I can observe there is no more of it done with this breed than in most others. Of course, where correctness of markings is so essential, the closest scrutiny must be exercised by the judge to detect fraudulent practices. I have referred in this writing to the black and tan terrier proper, whose weight ranges from about 7 to 22 pounds. The following is the latest standard of points of the black and tan terrier, as set forth by the Black and Tan Terrier Club of England. Head should be narrow, almost flat, with a slight indentation up the forehead. Long and tight-skinned, level in the mouth, with no visible cheek muscles. It should be slightly wedge-shaped, tapering to the nose, and well filled up under the eyes with tight-lipped jaws. Eyes should be small, bright, and sparkling, set moderately close together as near black as possible, oblong in shape, slanting upward on the outside. They shall neither protrude nor sink in the skull. Nose should be perfectly black. Ears should be buttoned, small and thin, small at the root, and set as close together as possible at the top of the head. Neck and shoulders. The neck should be slim and graceful, gradually becoming larger as it approaches the shoulders, and perfectly free from throatiness, slightly arched from the occupant. The shoulders slope off elegantly. Chest, narrow between the legs, deep in the brisket. Body, short with powerful loin, ribs well sprung out behind the shoulders, the back being slightly arched at the loin and falling again to the joining of the tail to the same height as the shoulder. Legs, perfectly straight and well under the body, strong and of proportionate length. Feet, compact, split up between the toes and well arched, with jet black nails, the two middle toes of the front feet rather longer than the others, and the hind feet shaped like those of a cat. Tail should be moderately short and set on where the arch of the back ends, 
thick where it joins the body, and gracefully tapering to a point, and not carried higher than the loin. Coat. Close, short, and glossy, not soft. Color. Black and tan as distinct as possible. The tan should be a rich mahogany color, a tan spot over each eye and another on each cheek, the latter as small as possible. The lips of the upper and lower jaws should be tanned, the tan extending under the jaw to the throat, ending in the shape of a letter V. The inside of the ear is partly tanned, the foreleg is tanned to the knee with a black patch, thumb mark, between the pastern and the knee. The toes have a distinct black mark running up each, called the pencil mark. The tan on the hind legs should continue from the penciling on the feet up the inside of the legs to a little below the stiffle joint, and outside of the legs should be perfectly black. There should be tan under the tail and on the vent, but only of such size as to be covered by the tail. In every case, the tan should meet the black abruptly. Weight. A medium-sized dog should not exceed 14 pounds, and a large-sized 22 pounds. End of section 32. Recording by Tom Mack.